Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. My name is Shirley Skiba, and I was security at the Lloyd Mall. And I just like to share an opportunity that the Lord blessed me with to be able to pray with someone. And one day, while I was sitting at my desk and I was writing up a report, I had a gentleman walk past the security desk, and I seen him walk by, and I looked up, and he turned around after he had passed my desk, and he came back, and he said, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And I said, absolutely, my love, you can ask me a question. He said, I need to know if you're a pastor. And I said, why would you ask me if I'm a pastor? He said, I don't know, but I had a feeling when I walked past your desk to come back and ask if you were a pastor. And I said, oh my love, I haven't been ordained as a pastor, but I can't preach to you if you want me to. I said, please don't ask me to sing. So he laughed, so I took my Bible off my desk, because I always like to keep my Bible on my desk. And, um, and I said, well, did you need me to read scripture? And he said, would you pray for me? And I said, oh, absolutely, my love, I will pray for you. He said, okay, he said, thank you, I appreciate that. So then he walked away from the security desk. So I put my report book away and I stood up and I called out to him and I said, sir, excuse me, sir. So he turned around and he said, me? And I said, yes, my love. Did you not want me to pray for you? And he said, well, yes. I said, okay, well, come back. And he's like, right now? And I said, absolutely right now. So he came back and I told him to come inside the security desk. So I prayed with him, and it was quite emotional. And he said, thank you so much, after I prayed. And he said, would you pray with my wife if I bring her tomorrow? And I said, oh, absolutely, you can bring your whole family if you like. The following day, I was sitting at my desk again, and I heard a lady coming through the mall. So I looked up, and I saw this couple, and I recognized the gentleman. And she said, you're the lady. You're the lady that prayed with my husband yesterday. And I said, yes, I am. She said, would you pray with me? And I said, absolutely. She said, oh, I appreciate this so much. And I said, okay. So she came inside the security desk, her and her husband. The three of us joined hands. I got permission to hold hands with them. So then I prayed with them. And it was, it was a very emotional time. And it was a blessing, actually, because it was all for God's glory. and. They were believers and they really appreciated and knew that I was praying for them. So they gave me a hug when they left and I just gave them blessings and for the Lord to bless them and to keep them safe. But it was was a, a lovely opportunity with many opportunities that the Lord gave me while I was there at the mall doing security. Many times people came and asked for prayer or just wanted to know things about the Bible and I had the opportunity to share that with them because I love Jesus and I like telling people about him. Good morning. It's a great testimony, wasn't it? 
just certainly appreciate Shirley and her willingness to, to respond to God's call and, and to allow God to use her uh, in the situations that she is in. Um, I do trust that you've enjoyed this morning. Uh, just been a blessing to listen to the worship songs and then to see the baptism. That's just such an incredible thing and just such an encouraging thing to see people taking that next step uh, in their relationship with God and their walk with Jesus Christ. Um, I do want to say, uh, Jingle Jam, uh, Friday night, that was uh, a real privilege to be part of. It was the first time that, that I've got to see uh, one of these events come together, and I, I have to just say, Kelsey did an amazing job. Uh, I know she's probably not here, but let's give her a hand. She can see that online. Uh, And I'm sure you're going to hear more about that in the, in the weeks to come, but uh, just a, a real privilege to be part of it, to see the team of people that work together, the number of people that stayed to clean up. Um, it took about eight to ten hours to set everything up, and it was all cleaned up in about an hour and a half, and that's just many hands making light work, and just amazing to see that team working together. So again, great event, uh, and trusting for, in the Lord for great results as well. I hope that you've enjoyed this call waiting series. I know it's been a privilege to, to work our way through this and, and just the different things that we see and understanding in our lives that the sovereign God of the universe wants to communicate with us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. And we saw in that first week that he has reached out to us through creation, through his word and through his son. And, and we don't mean by any means to limit that. That's the only way he talks to us in small groups that you saw. There's a number of different ways that God communicates with his people. Um, but in this, uh, this first sermon that we looked at, it was that we focused on his word and his son uh, and in creation. And we also talked about the fact that as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be expecting God's call in our lives. We need to be willing to, to listen every day. Yes, we turn to God oftentimes in the big decisions. That's a good thing to do. But also we need to be expecting his call in the day-to-day, -day. just looking for those opportunities, looking for those nudges from him and saying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve you today? And just looking for those opportunities to serve him. Last week, Doug did an amazing job. If you, if you haven't seen that, I would encourage you uh, to check out that on our YouTube channel or on our podcast, last week's message on discerning God's will, talking about the fact that we want to make sure that we're hearing from God. And of course, first and foremost, if we long to hear from God, if we want to hear his voice, the most important thing in, in the first step is to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. If we want to have that two-way communication with God, we need to be in that relationship with Him. And again, if you have not placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is our desire for you. Our desire is that you enter into that relationship with Him, that you give your life to Him, and then you begin this life of living and communication with God and listening to Him and the opportunities that He brings your way. Today, we get to talk about responding to God's call. So there's a call, we expect it, we anticipate it, we discern that it's God's voice, and then we, we have to say, okay, what am I going to do with this call? How am I going to respond? And, and I think uh, when, we, when we look at today's passage, I think we're going to see a lot of ourselves in that passage, because I think as we see God's call on Moses' life, he comes around and, and Moses is like, God says, hey, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And then Moses comes up with excuse after excuse after excuse as to why God has picked the wrong person. And you know, in our lives, God's going to bring things our way. He's going to bring his call our way. And oftentimes, our first reaction is just to simply say, God, I'm just not sure that you've got the right person. 
I think, God, maybe this time you've, you've dialed the wrong number. And God is saying to us, listen, stop with the excuses. Just start doing what I've asked you to do. And then he's going to use us and surprise us in the way that he uh, uses us. So let's, uh, let's begin. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. And then we'll dive right into Exodus chapter 3 and 4. Father, I do just want to thank you for this morning. <laughs> thank you that you want to talk with us. Thank you that you want to have that, that two-way communication. Lord, that you speak to us and then we respond and we do what you have asked us to do. So God, today as we look into the excuses As we look into your rebuttals of those excuses, I just want to pray uh, that you would just help us, help us to respond, help us to trust, and Lord, that we would see you do great things through us, even when we don't anticipate that we're capable of doing it. just want to thank you in your name. Amen. And today, as we we begin our message, I want us to, to think about the fact of God's call. And this task that God called Moses to was a big task. And again, he was not ready for that call. He wasn't ready to respond. And right off the hop, I think, guys, what we really need to focus on or need to consider the fact is when God calls us, when he asks us to do things, more often than not, he's going to call us to things that are beyond our comfort zone. He's going to call us and ask us to do things that we don't think we're capable of. But if we set the excuses aside and we take an attitude of trust, we'll be amazed to see what God will do through us. So let's, um, let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, and it says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So we're just going to take a little bit of uh, time to remember who Moses was, what's going on in his life at this point. Uh, Moses was born into a Hebrew family at probably the worst time anybody or any male boy or any boy could be born into a Hebrew family. The Hebrew uh, nation had been enslaved in Egypt, and the Hebrew nation was starting to multiply in numbers uh, much faster than the Egyptians. And the Egyptian pharaoh looked at this and he said, this is a problem. If this, if this keeps happening, they're going to be able to overpower us, so I'm going to deal with that. And so he made a law that any male child born to a Hebrew family would be put to death. And Moses was born during that time, and God sovereignly protected him. And not only was he, he protected, but by God's sovereign provision, he allowed Moses to grow up in the, in the home of Pharaoh, in the house of Pharaoh, as one of Pharaoh's grandsons. And that relationship was good for a while, but then Moses did something, tried to take things into his own hands. He kind of messed everything up. And that relationship that he had with, with the Pharaoh was severed, and he had to actually flee for his life. And instead of living in a palace now, he's out in, in, in the wilderness. He's tending sheep. And, and he's, you know, he's really just sort of had to flee for his life. And so as he's tending the sheep, He's near Mount Horeb, and Mount Horeb is a a significant mountain in Moses' life and in the children of Israel. Uh, If you're reading through Scripture, you'll notice that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are are interchangeable names. It's the same place, so if you see Horeb or Sinai, it's the same mountain. And during Moses' life, there was many encounters that he had with God at Sinai, some really significant, what we would call God moments that Moses had. And this is the first one. This is the first sort of God moment that, that Moses had. And as he's there, he's, he's just, you know, not expecting God's call. But let's take a look and see what happens in verses 2 through 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses just tending the sheep, um, not even expecting God's call. He sees this bush that's on fire, and he goes over, and he, he says, I'm going to check this out. How come this, this bush is not being consumed? When he goes over, God speaks to him out of the burning bush, and, and again, that, that, uh, that, that expectation wasn't there for God's call, but the discernment was there pretty quick. He realized that this is God who was speaking to him. He hid his face. He was afraid to talk to God. And God speaks to Moses. He says, Moses, listen, I've, I've heard the cries of children of Israel, and I'm going to, to rescue them out of slavery. And, and so Moses is listening to this story, and he's kind of probably wondering why God was telling him this. And then God drops this bomb on Moses in Exodus 3, verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Well, that changes Moses' day entirely, doesn't it? I mean, this day is, this has been one of those crazy days for Moses, just tending the sheep, minding his own business, probably just enjoying a sort of an idle day. And then this bush starts to burn. He's like, well, what's going on over there? And then God speaks to him out of the bush, tells him what he's going to do. And he goes, oh, by the way, I'm going to use you to do this. And immediately, Moses begins with the excuses. Immediately, he begins to say, oh, no, okay. this, this is not, I am not the right person uh, for this job. So argument number one, we're going to look at these, uh, Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? God, there's, you've got to have the wrong person here. Look at me. I, I used to be someone, but now I'm not. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just out here. There's no way that I could do that. Do you ever have that response in your life? Maybe not to something God asks you to do, but just in life in general. If somebody presents a challenge to you and you say, well, I could never do that. This is a phrase that we often joke about in our house. Um, a man and I try to stay active and every now and then we'll look at a challenge and I'll say, come on, let's do this. And a man would be like, well, I could never do that. And she won't try at first and then I'll keep nagging. I'm pretty persistent. And then eventually she'll try and she'll realize that she is far more capable than she realized. And she's able to accomplish those things. But you know what? When God calls us, that's often our response. He often calls us beyond what we think we're capable of. He's often calling us to that next step of effort, that next step of, of maturing in him. And we're like, nah, I'm pretty comfortable where I am. I think these are my limits. And God is saying, nope, you're going to go beyond those limits. And our response is, I can't. Maybe you've been asked or maybe you've been wondering, feeling God's voice, you know, a call that to, to, be a, to be a volunteer in FBC kids or in FBC youth. You've been feeling God nagging you at that and you're like, nah, I just, I just couldn't do that. What would I say to these kids? How would I answer those teens' questions? There's, there's no way that I'm capable of that. Maybe God's been nudging you a little bit. Hey, go to your neighbor. Go to that coworker. Invite them to church. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Share your faith with them. You think, oh, I, I could never do that. Maybe he's, he's saying to you, look, I want you to take a next step. I, I have a move for you. I, I have a new location for you to serve me. I want you to, to maybe to go to another city. Don't go to another town. Take another job. 
And you're like, oh, I, I, just, I just can't do that. And there's so many things. I don't know what God's ask is on your life or what he's going to ask you. But so many times our go-to excuse, our go-to argument is, God, I just couldn't do that. I think you've got the wrong person. And that's what Moses said, who am I? Who am I that I could do this? And perhaps Moses thought that conversation was done. He kind of wiped his hands and he said, yep, I've just convinced the sovereign, all-knowing creator of the universe that he called the wrong person. And I'm glad this conversation's over. It's not the way it went. God has a response. God has a rebuttal. We see that in Exodus 3.12. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have, sorry, this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It's a pretty good counter-argument, isn't it? God says this, Moses says, I can't. And God says, yeah, but, but I'm going to be with you. I am going to be there every step of the way. And oh, by the way, Moses, when this is accomplished, you're going to worship me here. See, God called, he promised his presence, he promised that he was going to be there, and he also promised success. He didn't say, I hope this you're going to come through on this, I hope this is going to work out for you. He said, when this is accomplished, you're going to work, worship me here. And folks, I think this is the thing that we need to, one of the things that we need to take away this morning, is God is calling you. And he's asking you to do something. I'm sure that everyone in this room that has a relationship with Christ, he's calling us to do something. He's asking us to do something. And the amazing thing is, is he's not asking us to do that on our own strength. When Moses took things into his own hands, he made a mess of them. But now God is saying to him, I want you to. And he's saying to you, I want you to. And we're saying, I can't. But he's saying, you can because I am with you. He's promised he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Folks, do you realize if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and God asks you to do something, you're never going into that alone. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. He is the third person of the Trinity, all-powerful, sovereign God, living in you, working through you, saying, I want you to do this. And we look, I could never, on our own, we probably can't. But with his strength, with his omnipotent power with us, we can't fail. We can't fail. And so God has this, it was a good rebuttal. It really was. And maybe Moses considered it a little bit, but he wasn't quite ready to, to jump on board yet. In Exodus 3.13, we see this. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And so Moses' first argument is, I can't. I could never. Second argument is, God, who are you really? You're promising to be with me, but, but who are you really? You think about Moses' upbringing. He's born into a Hebrew family, raised in his, in his mother's care for the first few years of his life. And during that time, I am sure she taught him about God. I'm sure his, his father taught him about the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm sure that they spent time doing that. But then Moses was transferred from their care to the care of Pharaoh's daughter. And he grew up as, as like I say, a grandson of, of Pharaoh. And he would have been taught about the Egyptian gods, the many Egyptian gods that he had. 
And so he was told the truth as a child. Uh, then, then the culture that he was in started to pull him away from the one true God to, to multiple gods. And now God is talking to him saying, I want you to do this. And he's going, okay, you're going to be with me, but, but I need to know who you are. I need to know if I can really trust you, is what he's saying. And you know what? I, I think this can happen in, in our lives as well. That we can, we can grow up in, in church, we can hear lots of things about God, and we know who he is in theory. But then as we live in culture and we live in society around us, we kind of get distracted and we hear different opinions on who God is and we, we hear of different things and we begin to wonder, okay, is God as powerful as I think or I thought that he was? And here's what Moses is doing. Having a, he's really having a crisis of faith. And that's what happens when God calls us. We have this crisis of faith, like, I know, okay, that you promised to be with me, but really, who are you? And so God responds in Exodus 3.14, he says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, when you first look at that, you think, well, that's kind of a strange answer, isn't it? I mean, Moses talking to God, well, who are you? Well, I am who I am. You know, if you met a stranger on the street and you introduce yourself, hi, I'm Bruce, and who are you? Well, I am who I am. It seems like kind of a, a passive answer. It seems kind of, kind of strange and a little bit odd, but when God is identifying himself here as I am who I am, the I am, he's not being passive. He's actually getting to the very heart of who he is. Norman Geisler says this, the God of the Bible not only existed before all things, but all things exist because of him. He is pure existence, who gave existence to everything else that exists. Without him, nothing else would be. He continues on to say, this lofty picture of God includes that he is the eternal, self-sufficient creator of all things. He is the uncreated creator, the self-existent and incomparable one who has no equal. When God says, I am who I am, he's saying to Moses, he's saying to us, listen, he said, I am the one who brought everything into being. I am dependent on absolutely nothing. And I am saying to you, I am going to be with you. It's a pretty good ally, isn't it? Pretty good person to have in our corner. The one who, who brought everything into existence, who everything's existence depends on him. And so if he says, I want you to do this, don't you think that he can carry us through? Don't you think that he can work things out so that his will will be accomplished? Don't you think that with him, we can do anything? Isaiah chapter 40 says this. This is a, an amazing chapter of scripture. I would encourage you to read it uh, for yourself this week. Um, but I'm going to read a few verses uh, between 18 and 28. It says this. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my, right, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is the God who's on our side. When God calls us to something and we say, God, who are you really? He is the self-existent one, the one who has brought everything into existence. He is the one walking through whatever he's called us, walking with us through whatever he's called us to do. So if he calls you to serve, he will give you the ability to serve. If he calls you to, to witness, he will give you the words to say. He will walk you through that. If he calls you to sacrifice, he will meet every need of yours. If he calls us to suffer, he will strengthen us in our suffering. He is the great I am. And he is saying, I am with you. I will walk through this calling with you. You'd think that'd be enough, you know, for Moses. You'd think it'd be enough for us, but yet it's never quite enough, is it? We, our, our faith, our trust is still weak, and Moses still was struggling with all of this. And so he says to God in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. See, Moses, now he's, his, his argument is this. Nobody's going to take me seriously. God was asking Moses to go back go back to the place really of his, his greatest disgrace. He's asking God to, to go back and to confront his past, going back to confront the Pharaoh of Egypt who he grew up in his house and who wanted him dead. Go back to the Hebrew people who, who when Moses took things into his hand, you can see in Exodus chapter 2, Moses took things into his hands. He was about 40 years old. And he sees an Egyptian uh, taskmaster, slave master, beating one of the Hebrews. He looks around, he doesn't see anybody, and he kills the, the Egyptian taskmaster. And he hides the body. And the next day, he's, he's going, and he sees these Hebrews fighting. He's like, why are you guys fighting? And they're, they're like, what are you going to do, kill us like you killed him? And so Moses realizes now that the Hebrews aren't really on his side. He realized that the Pharaoh, if he finds out, or he's going to find out that he had killed one of the taskmasters, he realized that the Pharaoh's not on his side anymore. The Pharaoh's probably going to kill him. And he has to run for his life. And for the next 40 years, he's hanging out in the wilderness. He gets married. He's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And everything seems to be peaceful. But now God's saying, I want you to go back. I want you to go back. And I want you to, to, to glorify me in the place that you feel nobody wants to listen to you. You know, it's a scary calling, isn't it? It's a scary calling. God says to us, hey, I want you to do this. And we think, nobody's going to take me seriously. Man, I've been trying to witness to my neighbors for months, God, and, and I've been telling them about the peace that you give. And then last week, my kids were just driving me crazy, and I lost it on them in the backyard. And, and now the neighbor's going to see that. They heard that. And they're going to think everything I said is a mockery. And God's like, no, no, no. You go back. I want you to confront that. You might think, man, God, you want me to go back and talk to those people that I hung around with in high school and in college before, before I really put my faith and trust in you, before I committed myself to you? They know so much dirt about me. They'll never take me serious that I'm, that I'm following you and I want to be obedient to you. God's saying, no, I want you to go back. You might have tried kids ministry a few years ago, and it didn't go well. God's saying, that's okay. That's okay. I'm calling you there now. I'm going with you there now. Youth ministry, small group facilitator. Nobody's going to take me seriously. God's going, yeah, they're going to take you seriously because I'm with you. 
Let's take a look at God's rebuttal. This is an interesting one as well. God doesn't really coddle Moses. He doesn't say, oh, no, they'll take you seriously. You're a good guy. Look at how much you've grown in the last 40 years. He doesn't do any of that. In fact, he gives him a really kind of bizarre uh, command. The Lord says to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Love that part, you know. Totally not expecting, you know, throw the staff on the ground. It's a snake, and Moses is gone. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. See, God's rebuttal is this. I have equipped you so that they will listen to you. I find it really interesting that God took the symbol of Moses' failure to use for his glory. You see, in Egypt, shepherds were like the lowest of the low. They were the, the outcasts of society. And God, or Moses, had grown up as a prince in Egypt, probably been taught to despise shepherds. And then, and then after he kills the Egyptians, he runs, and what does he become? He becomes a shepherd. And he's holding that staff as a reminder of his failure, as a reminder of, of all the things that he messed up on. And God says, I am going to use that symbol of your failure to demonstrate my power to other people. Folks, we can't let our past failures hold, our, hold us back. We can't let our fa- past failures be the excuse for not moving forward with God. Yeah, we might have blown it in the past. There are many times that I have blown it in the past. But God doesn't, God doesn't say, hey, I'm done with you. He said, that's okay. I might even use these failures as the means to demonstrate my glory to other people. So we can't use that excuse. Nobody's going to take me seriously because of what I've done. God can say, I know exactly what you've done. And despite you messing up, I can use that for my glory to show other people who I am and to demonstrate my power through, through you. You take a look. Moses used that staff many times. Many times throughout the rest of his life, God used that staff to say, hey, I am the great I am. I am the one who is, has put Moses in this position. I am the one who controls the wind and the sea. I am the one who can provide for you water from a rock so many different times. God used what Moses thought was shameful to bring honor and glory to himself. Man, again, Moses is like, okay, but I got, I got another one here, God. I got one more. Just, just bear with me, and I'm not even sure if he was concerned if God was going to bear with him, but he was just going to try to get out of doing this. Exodus 4.10, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. He's just like, God, I, I just cannot do this. I mean, listen to me as I talk to you now, God. I'm slow of speech. How can I do this? Right? How, how in the world could I go to, to Pharaoh and speak to him? How could I go to the Hebrew people and, and convince them with my stammering mouth? That, that you want to use me to be their leader. And he's like, I just, I just can't do it. God's rebuttal is this. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God's getting a little tired of this debate, right? He's not, he's not going for very long answers now. God, I can't. My, my mouth just doesn't work right. God's like, who made your mouth? 
who made your milk? Folks, when you look at your weakness, when you look at what you perceive to be an inadequacy, when you look at your inability to do something, we can't use that as an excuse because if God has asked us to do it, he will enable us to do it. When I was in high school, grade 10 and 11, we used to have these quarterly oral reports that we had to do, write a paper and, and, and give a little speech in class. And I remember standing, we always, I don't know why they did this, but we always uh, gave our oral reports right in front of the fire exit. I don't know if that's just if you really thought you were doing a terrible job, you could just evacuate the building or whatever. But you're always standing there in front of the fire exit. And I had cue cards in my hand. And I literally could not hold my cue cards with one hand because my hand would shake so bad. Couldn't even read the cue cards. I would have to stand in front of the class with my hands interlaced, my fingers interlaced together, holding cue cards just so I could get through an oral report. I only had to do three or four of them a year, four of them a year, I guess, quarterly. And I hated them. And then God, in his divine sense of humor, says, guess what you're going to do for your life? <laughs> you know? You're going to stand in front of people all the time, and you're going to give talks and sermons and all of those things. And you think, God, I, I, I can't do that. Look at how high school went. And he's like, no, if I'm asking you to do it, I will enable you to do it. If you have something that you perceive as a weakness, God will either use that for his glory or he can, he can correct it. He can enable you to do, uh, he can enable you to do whatever he asks you to do. So then we get right down to the crux of it. Exodus 4, 13 through 17. But he, Moses said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be his God to him. And take in your hand this staff which, with which you shall do the signs. You ever been in a situation where you push things just a little bit too far? You know, you pestered somebody just, just to that point where, you know, it was just kind of words and then all of a sudden the fist came your way, you know, or just, you just went a little bit too far. Moses went a little bit too far here. We often go a little bit too far. We say to God, here's all the excuses, here's all the excuses, and finally Moses is just like, God, I really just don't want to do this. And then God's response is, it says, and God's anger was kindled against Moses. Folks, we have to understand, as his children, he's going to ask us to do things. He's going to ask us to do things that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask us to do things that we don't feel capable of, and we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to argue? Are we going to put them off? And folks, let me, let me tell you, as a loving father, sometimes we can push his, him to the point of anger. Growing up in my home, I know that there was many times that I pushed my parents to anger. My boys, I know there was many times that they pushed me to anger. But here's the thing that I always knew. I was always loved. And my boys knew they were always loved. And so, folks, we need to understand we got to be careful not to resist God too long, not to turn away from him because we will kindle his anger against us. Does that mean we, we lose being his child? Absolutely not. Does that mean that, that we have to perform in order to be loved? Absolutely not. 
We are loved and accepted based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's nothing that we can add to or take away from that. But the thing that we have to understand as a loving father, if we keep resisting him, if we keep arguing with him, if we keep telling him no, 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 we do run the risk of kindling his anger against us and missing out on incredible blessing or receiving chastisement from him because we just simply won't listen. And so, folks, we need to respond. We need to stop arguing. I don't know what God's asking of you. I don't know where he's placed on your heart a calling. But we need to stop arguing. And we need to just start doing. As we think, how does this apply? What do we do? As we think back to Shirley's testimony, we think Shirley didn't hesitate. God called, and she acted. And in fact, when that guy tried to walk away, she's like, oh, no, we're not done yet. You get back here, right? Because God has asked me to do something on behalf of you. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to take care of that right now. Folks, that's what our attitude needs to be. If you pop it over into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 14. You're probably familiar if you've grown up in the church. This is definitely one of the best flannel glass stories of, you know, Peter walking on the water. You know, they're out in the boat. The disciples are out in the boat. They're rowing all night, you know, or they're straining against the waves. And, and Jesus begins to walk, on them, walk towards them on the water. This is a crazy, crazy event. You know, you're in the boat. Man and I were talking the other days. We were walking. She said so many times we forget that the people that we read about in Scripture are just like us. So these guys are rowing the boat. They're straining against the wind. They're trying to, trying to just get to shore safely. And then someone comes walking to them on the water. Now, this doesn't happen. People can't walk on water. So what was their first assumption? What would your first assumption be? This is weird. This is weird. It's probably a ghost. It's probably a spirit. You know, and they're wondering what to do. Thankfully, God, Jesus didn't leave them hanging, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I've thought about this a lot of times. All right? If it wasn't Jesus, and if it was a spirit that was out for their destruction, wouldn't he have just told Peter to get out anyway? And then Peter would have sunk, right? But it was Jesus. Peter listened, and he steps out, out of the boat, onto the water, and walks to Jesus, begins to walk towards him. And that's the attitude that we need to have when God calls us. I've got this task for you. Okay, jump out of the boat. Start walking on water. Start doing beyond what we ever thought was possible. And trust Jesus that this is going to be the way, this is what he's asked us to do. Priscilla Schreier in the video that we looked at in small groups says this, the more clearly you know God, the more clearly you can hear him. This wasn't Peter's first encounter with Jesus. He had seen Jesus do a lot of cool miracles. And so he knew that if it really was Jesus, he had the capacity, the ability to, say, to allow Peter to walk on the water. So he jumps out of the boat. He hops on the water and begins to walk to Jesus. How do we overcome our fears? How do we overcome our excuses? We simply need to trust. We simply need to trust in the one who has called us and the ability that he has to see us through whatever he's calling us to do. When we doubt our ability, we need to trust that he is with us. When we question who he is, we need to remember that he is the one who created all things and all things are subjected to him. 
When we question if we will be effective, we need to trust that he is equipped for the task. When we see our weakness, we need to trust that he can overcome them or use them for his glory. You know, I was thinking this week, when I got to this part in the message, I'm thinking, okay, now, what points am I going to make to say this is how we overcome our arguments? And the only one that I came to mind was this, simply trust. God is capable. He is capable. He is able. If he's called you, then trust him because he will enable you to do this. Peter pretty much makes it to Jesus, and then all of a sudden he begins to look around. And he begins to think about all the reasons that he should be failing. And inevitably he sinks because he took his eyes off Christ. He's, he, instead of trusting, he began to have those arguments. I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't what I'm capable of. This is impossible. Poof, he sinks. And Jesus says this in Matthew 14, 31. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If God's calling you today, step out of the boat. If God's calling you today, just trust. Trust that God will enable you to do what he has asked you to do. Did Peter blow it there? Sure, he did. He sunk. Was God done with him? No, absolutely not. In the book of Acts, we see the first sermon preached as the new church is planted. Jesus has died, been buried, risen again, and returned to heaven. Who does God pick to preach the first sermon at the birth of the church? It was Peter. And on that day, 3,000 people came to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Trust. Go as far as, as your trust takes you. And if you falter, if you stumble, the next time remember what he has already done and go a little bit farther and see what he is willing to do through you. Trust that you've enjoyed the service, this, this uh, series on call waiting, that God wants to talk to us, that we need to be expecting his call, discerning his voice, and then we need to respond to him. We need to respond with trust, no matter what he's calling, no matter what we feel our cap- capacities are. We need to trust in his ability to carry us through whatever he's called us to do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your ability to carry us through whatever you have called us to do. So, Father, I just want to pray for the folks here in this room today and for myself included, wherever we are resisting your call. Lord, I pray that we would respond with trust, that we would get our eyes off ourselves and our surroundings and our abilities and just trust that if you have called us, you will enable us. And so, Father, I pray that we would respond to you and recognize how great you are. I just thank you in your name. Amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, We'll see you next Sunday. If you've joined us online, again, thanks for joining us online as well. Have a great morning.